Well, good morning, everyone. Glad that you are here to join us in part three of our Staying in Love series. Um, In this series, we are talking about how to stay in love for a lifetime. As uh, if you've been a part of this for the past few weeks, you've experienced a little bit of that so far. And you've experienced the premise of this series that has come from a movie entitled Juno. And the, the premise comes from uh, this, this teenage girl who gets pregnant and has to decide what to do with this baby. And she decides to have the baby, give it up for adoption. And she's looking around her world and wondering. And uh, we, we showed a clip the past few weeks in a private conversation, a tender conversation between her and her dad. You know, she thinks out loud with him and she wonders, is it possible for two people to fall in love and stay in love for a lifetime. And as she's looking around her world, she doesn't see a lot of hope for in love, committed marriage relationships. And so she just asks that question, Dad, is it possible for two people to fall in love and stay in love for a lifetime? Now, in my role as a pastor, I interact with people on a regular basis that think it's possible to stay in love for a lifetime. Uh, One of the things that I do as a pastor is to perform weddings. And I have done all kinds of weddings. I've done winter weddings, spring, fall, summer weddings. Um, I've done casual weddings. I've done uh, formal weddings. I did one wedding in shorts. That was really cool. I really like that. So if you ever want to get married, shorts is something I recommend. I, I did a wedding um, in July in Flagler Beach in the hottest part of the day. I think it was like two or three o'clock in a full suit. And yes, yes, you should feel sorry for me. That was a horrible moment, but it was a great wedding. I've done weddings for young couples getting married for the first time. I've done weddings for couples that are getting married again. And with being around so many weddings, I always find it interesting that on wedding day, couples make all these wonderful promises to each other. Uh, if you've been married, then you probably have made some of those promises. But they're, you know, it's just a magical moment. And you know, they promise to love each other and cherish each other and you know, to stick together regardless of life circumstances and good times and bad times, whether we're rich or poor, you know, whether you get sick or, or you're healthy, you know, un- until we're separated by death. You can just see, you know, the stars kind of floating around them. It's, it's magical. And then a few years later, some couples hate each other. And not only do they hate each other, but they hate each other more than they hate anybody else in the entire world. You know, it's like, you know, the mass murderer out there, you know, they hate their spouse more than they hate that person that's out there doing these horrible wrong things. So in one moment, they're in love. And the next moment they're going, I can't even imagine feeling love for that person ever in my life. So what happens in our in love relationships? Another thing that I find interesting is that when I'm talking with couples who used to be in love, often we'll get around to the conversation of a next love interest. So man, often it happens before this uh, in love experience has ended and the person is talking about the next in love experience. And often they'll say something to me like, you know, 
I can see myself falling in love again with someone else down the road. I mean, I can see that happening. It may take some time. It may not happen overnight, but I can see that happening down the road. And so I think to myself, and sometimes it comes out my mouth, I think if you're going to fall in love again down the road, then why not just fall in love with each other all over again? Why not do that? I mean, on so many levels, it's just practical. I mean, if you think financially, it's cheaper, okay? It's a whole lot cheaper just to fall in love with each other all over again. You know, financially, relationally, emotionally, there's a whole lot going on if we just fall in love again. Now, the skills that it takes to have a great divorce are the same skills it takes to have a great marriage. And so I wonder, why not just have a great marriage? Why not just invest in your marriage relationship? That's what we're talking about in this series. So far in this series, we've learned that in order to stay in love for a lifetime, we have to start with ourselves. So we can't start by looking at our boyfriend, our girlfriend, our fiance, our spouse, and talking about all the things that we wish they would change, all the baggage that they've got. You know, if they would deal with that, things would go better. We can't start that way. And if you've been with us for this series and you've thought, you know, I hope my wife heard that, or... Or, you know, Trent, I finally got him here. My husband is finally here, so give it to him. I mean, I mean, he needs an earful of all the stuff he needs to be doing in our relationship. If that's what you're thinking, you're, you're missing the first step. First step is we have to start with ourselves. We also learned that we have to love our spouse the way Jesus loves us. We have to treat our spouse as if they are the most important person on planet Earth. And if someone were to interview your spouse, would they say, yes, I think my spouse thinks I'm the most important person on the earth, the way they treat me, the way they love me, the way they pour out grace for me. I really believe they think I'm the most important person on the earth. We said last week that the foundation for staying in love for a lifetime is to make love a verb, make it a verb turn into a demonstration of our love for each other. Not just an emotion that comes and goes every once in a while, but a commitment, a choice. That we say, I will love you and I will show you my love every day of our lives. Now today we're gonna drill down a little deeper on how to deal with conflict that arises in our relationships. Not sure if you've ever experienced that in your marriage or your relationship, but you know, sometimes it shows up. We have to learn where it comes from and what to do with it as it arrives in our lives. Now, to help us with this, I have invited a very special couple to be a part of this um, service this morning, and they are going to help us explore where conflict comes from in our relationships and what to do with it in an appropriate way uh, when it, it comes to God's perspective. How does God want us to handle our conflict in order to stay in love for a lifetime. So this couple is going to help us with that. They have traveled a long way, uh, long distance to be here. So would you welcome to the stage, Mr. and Mrs. Pitcher. I mean, you can welcome them. They did travel a long way. I think they're from China. They traveled from China to be here. At least that's what the bottom said. But this is Mr. and Mrs. Pitcher, and I want to tell you a little bit about them and their relationship. They met in college, and they fell in love. 
I mean, it was kind of magical how it happened. Uh, They ended up in a history class together that neither of them wanted to be in. They didn't want to be in that class. They got assigned to a project together. And uh, they were surprised as they got to know each other in that class and with that project, how much they shared in common. And they had a lot in common. I mean, they had a a common um, love for movies. I think Braveheart was thrown out or something, you know. they, They loved similar movies. And they enjoyed similar kinds of food, similar kinds of activities. I mean, they just enjoyed their time together. It was, it was amazing. Uh, you know, he um, used to have a full head of hair. Can't tell right now, but he did. And um, he had an aspiring career ahead of him. You know, he was ra- rather athletic and really handsome, and she just thought he was fantastic. And, you know, he thought, Mrs. Pitcher was the most amazing picture he'd ever seen in his life, most beautiful picture he'd ever seen. If you, I mean, you look at her, she still has the curves, you know, that she had back then. I mean, she's a knockout. And as they were beginning their dating experience, they were so careful with each other. You know, any time there was a, even a hint of a crossword between them. He would rush out to the store and he would buy flowers and candy and, you know, it was the I'm sorry, will you love me forever, you know, stuff and would bring it back. And, um, you know, they just talked for hours. There was not a subject they couldn't talk about. They listened to each other. They didn't interrupt each other. They just listened and just loved, you know, the sound of each other's voice. It was, it was a wonderful, wonderful time together. And marriage just seemed like the next step for them. It was a natural step. And they thought marriage is going to be fantastic because we even get to spend more time together. And so they moved down the marriage road. And then somewhere down that road, they hit a bump. And stuff came out, like all over. And and he said, or, or she said, I didn't know that you had anger issues. And he said, I don't have anger issues. You make me angry. <laughs> and he said, I didn't know you had all that baggage. Where'd that stuff come from? I've never seen these red beads before. <laughs> and she said, I don't have baggage. I've never seen these red beads before either in my entire life. And so out of frustration with each other, this new um, development in their relationship, she turned to talk to her mom about their conflict. And she talked to her dad. And she talked to her coworkers. And she talked to her college roommates and her friends and her hairdresser and her mailman. She talked to the cashier at Walmart. I mean, all across town, she's you know, talking about their marriage conflict. And he talked to his mechanic And it wasn't just outright open, it was kind of a reference, a veiled reference to we might possibly need to get our relationship checked out like I get my car checked out, because guys, we don't know where to turn to, right, when we're in relational conflict. But Mr. Pitcher here believes that the blue beads keep coming out of him because of Mrs. Pitcher, that she makes those things come out of him. And so he thinks things like, you know, if she would stop bumping me, this stuff wouldn't come out. If she would stop nagging me about coming home late from work, I wouldn't act this way. If she would not spend so much money, I wouldn't have to act this way. If she would not, whatever, fill in the blank, then I wouldn't do whatever. 
And Mrs. Pitcher is convinced that the red beads in her come out because of Mr. Pitcher. And she would not nag so much if he would just do what she asks. Hey, (laughs) we're on to something. She wouldn't get angry if he would just do what he says he's going to do. Sound familiar? Anybody heard of that before in your life? All right, now listen. This is profound. If you get your pen out, if you're taking notes. The, the reason blue beads come out of Mr. Pitcher is because that's what's in him. All right? The reason red beads come out of Mrs. Pitcher, that's what's in her. All right, I know that's really profound with, you know, beads full of, pitchers full of beads. But hang with me for a moment. All of us have stuff in us that we bring into our relationships. The stuff that comes out in your relationships often is stuff that was in you before you got into that relationship. If you're not married, guess what? There's stuff in you. One day, it's going to come out, and it's going to come out in an in-love relationship. Regardless of who you're with, you've got stuff in you, and it's going to come out of you. And I'm not saying that you haven't been hurt in your relationship. I'm not saying your pain isn't justified. I'm not saying that. I get it. I'm just saying you brought some stuff to the relationship that has hurt that relationship. You brought some stuff in. There's stuff that comes out of you that damages your in-love relationships. Listen to what Jesus said in Mark 7, starting in verse 20. It is what comes from inside that defiles you. For from within, out of a person's heart, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these vile things come from within. They are what defile you. So the stuff that damages our relationships comes from inside of us. You know those anger issues you have? Yeah, that comes from within. That jealousy stuff you deal with, it comes from within you. Pride, insecurity, selfishness, deception, control, lust, all that and more. It comes from within you. And the relationship that often brings that stuff out the most is our in love committed relationships. No one can push my buttons like Tammy can. No one. No one can push her buttons like I can. I'm the master. I know exactly where that button is. If I want to push it, I can. Nobody can push each other's buttons like we can in in love relationships. In love relationships causes that junk in us to come to the surface. And I think that's what God wants. I think that's what God wants in our relationships. And he he uses our relationships, he uses the conflict that's there to surface the junk he wants to deal with. Because we're really good at at hiding it in certain contexts. We're really good at keeping it hidden, keeping it stuffed down. But in our in-love, committed relationships, it gets tough after a period of time together. That stuff just comes out. And I think God is really okay with that because as it comes up, he can start dealing with it. God's goal for each one of us is for us to become more like Jesus. And the thing that's standing in our way from that happening is the junk that's in us. So he wants that stuff to the surface 
so he can help us deal with it and get it out of the way so we can become more like Jesus. So if blue beads or red beads keep coming out of you and you want to point your finger at your spouse or your fiance or your boyfriend or girlfriend, here's the truth. Whatever is in you is going to come out of you regardless of who's with you. Whatever's inside is going to come out of you regardless of who you're with. It doesn't matter. You you can go find someone else and think, I'll just go find another in-love relationship and then less beads will come out. That's not true. Less beads won't come out in a new relationship. Give it enough time and those beads will come back out again. So whatever is in you is going to come out of you regardless of who's with you. Now, regarding the stuff that's in us, Ephesians 4, 31 says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. So in our committed, in love relationships, there is no place for bitterness, no place for harsh words, no place for sarcasm. No place for name-calling or bringing up past resolved issues. No place for yelling, screaming, throwing things, giving your spouse the cold shoulder, or punishing them through silence and abandonment. There's no place for threatening to leave or threatening to get a divorce. (coughs) Couples that stay in love for a lifetime, they don't do those things. Ephesians 4.32 says, instead, instead of all those negative relational patterns that tear our relationships apart, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So instead of throwing beads at each other, God says, be kind, be tender. And when that stuff comes out of your spouse, your response should be to forgive them. So I forgive you for that. And we say back to God, but God, you just don't know. I mean, you don't know what he's done to me. You don't know how she's hurt me. You don't know what he said. And God goes, I get it. I saw it. I was there. But God wouldn't ask us to do anything that he hasn't already done. And when it comes to forgiveness, God has already forgiven us. And he asks us to follow him and what he's modeled for us and to forgive our spouse. Because here's what God knows about forgiveness. It is a piece of the puzzle of learning to stay in love for a lifetime. It's a piece of the puzzle that we need. If we're going to stay in love for a lifetime, we've got to learn how to forgive each other. Our ability to stay in love is determined by what we do with the stuff that's inside us. In Proverbs 4.23, King Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, said this, watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. The New Living Translation puts it this way, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. That last statement there, your heart determines the course of your life, the direction that you will go, the path that you will be on is determined by your heart. So my question to you is, how's your heart? What's going on inside of it? 
What's it filled with? Is it filled with anger? Is it filled with insecurity? What's inside of you? Is it filled with jealousy, bitterness, selfishness? What is inside you? It will determine the course of your life. Now, the first step in strengthening our hearts is to, identi- to identify the emotion that we're feeling, like to give it a name, to name what's going on inside of us, to figure out what is causing these blue beads or red beads to come out of us. There is generally an emotion tied to these beads being driven out of us. So we got to figure out what is that emotion. Now, guys, I have to give you a warning, okay? For the next few moments, I'm going to talk about emotions, Okay, so I know I can get a little scary for, for us guys. I'm not going to ask you to hug anybody, all right? We're not going to hand out tissues. I'm not going to ask you to get in touch with your feminine side, okay? Um, it's, it's not a bad thing to have emotions. They're actually good things. Um, but I know that it can be scary for guys, especially when most guys, we know two primary emotions. Happiness, we got that one. Life's good, I'm happy. Had steak for breakfast, I'm good. And anger. I'm angry. I'm angry at the world. So we know happiness and anger. So we've got those two down, but there are a few more emotions out there that we might need to discover, might be useful for us to have. So let's um, explore that together, guys. Hang on. So our goal in strengthening our heart, again, is to identify how we're feeling. What is that emotion that's in there? If we can do that, we can begin the process of resolving the issues that are causing the conflict. So the next time you see beads coming out of you, the next time these beads are coming out, I want you to do your best to pause and ask yourself some questions. What am I feeling is the first question. What am I feeling? What's going on inside of me that's causing this stuff to come out of me? What is this emotion that I'm having right now that's making me want to act the way that I'm acting? And as you do that, as you ask yourself some of those questions, you you take a deeper look within. You might discover some things. You might discover there are some other emotions hidden down there that you're feeling that are driving these beads out of you. You might learn that you're embarrassed, that the drama right now in your relationship, the, the stuff you're spewing out is being motivated by just embarrassment. Something happened and you're embarrassed and you need to name it and identify that emotion. Maybe you feel unappreciated or unloved. Maybe you feel like a failure or you're stupid, lonely, left out, insecure, scared, out of control, jealous. There's all kinds of emotions that are hidden in us, that drive beads out of us. Sometimes those emotions are right on the surface. You know, maybe when you think about the the context of your conflict relationships, you can identify, I I know that emotion, that one emotion I have all the time, it kind of drives all the conflict that I have in my in-love relationship, and you can put your finger on it. And other times, we're not really sure what it is, and we need some help to figure out what that stuff is. For me in my world, some of the best help that I get comes from my spouse, Tammy. She's great at helping me unpack the stuff that's inside of me and helping me to identify that. And I know that can be a really scary thing, especially in those moments when you feel like your spouse is the enemy. 
But if you want to stay in love for a lifetime, that's what couples do who learn how to stay in love for a lifetime. They open up their hearts to each other and they share at deeper levels and they help each other learn how to resolve some of the stuff that's in us. Now, as we identify these emotions, that's just the first step in the process. They're not like, you know, done away with. Wouldn't that be great if I just identified it and then it's gone? No, that just starts the process. That's the biggest part of the process is identifying it. And then it helps us to begin the journey of resolving that in the future. Now, as you are, are identifying the emotions within, the next step is to confess that to God. Just bring that stuff to God. God knows what it is. He knows what's going on inside of you, but he wants you to have a conversation with him. And that might sound a little strange, especially if you've never had a conversation with God before, but a conversation with God around this subject can sound something like this, where you're just open and honest to saying, God, either I know where these beads are coming from, or I don't know where these beads are coming from. Will you please help me? Will you help me figure out what's going on inside of me and help me learn how to deal with these things so this stuff doesn't come out of me in the future? I don't want to damage my relationship anymore. Please help me. And God will. God will do his part if you do your part. God will help you become more like Jesus if you put yourself in a position to open up your heart to him and listen and do what God asks you to do. And then the next conversation, which might feel like a little bit more difficult, is to have a conversation with your spouse. James 5, 16 says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So that you may be healed. Now, these emotions that we're talking about, they are not necessarily sin issues, but often what we do with the emotions in us becomes a sin issue. And so we need to talk to our spouse. After we talk to God, we need to turn and talk to our spouse. Don't go talk to your mom. Don't go talk to your dad. Don't go talk to your best friend or your coworkers. Don't go talk to other people. Don't talk to anybody that's going to trash your marriage. Don't talk to anybody that's going to trash your spouse. Don't do that. Don't do that at all. That'll damage your relationship in a really big way. Now, there are moments that we need some extra outside help. There are sometimes we need uh, what the Bible calls a wise counsel. There are moments that my wife and I can't figure out what we're dealing with, and so we invite another couple in to help us with that. We'll say, listen, here's, here's the stuff. Here's our beads. And we invite another couple to speak truth to us. But here's what I know about that couple and other couples that we use. They love Jesus more than they love us, and they will point us back to Jesus always. That's the kind of people we need to talk to. So we need to talk to God, and we need to talk to our spouse. One of the greatest gifts that my in-laws gave Tammy and me early in our relationship was to point us back to each other. Early in our relationship, we had some marital conflict that had created a, a big crack in the foundation of our relationship. And out of frustration, Tammy went to talk to her parents about it. No, nothing malicious there. She just was looking for some help. And uh, her parents said, it seems like you're in the wrong place. It seems like you're talking to the wrong people. You need to be talking to Trent. You need to go home and you need to talk to Trent. That was an incredible gift. They consistently pointed us back towards each other. And that's a gift that I hope to give my kids 
You know, my kids, as they're growing up, I mean, they're great kids, but they got stuff in them. You know, don't think that I don't know it. I mean, I see it more than anybody else, and, you know, I, like, put some of that stuff there. So they're going to, like, you know, do their own therapy as they're older to, you know, get over some of the dad junk they got in them. But I do not want to stand between them and becoming the people that God wants them to become. And I want to point them back towards their spouse one day when they get married. So if you are a parent and you have kids that are married, do not allow there to be any kind of strange, weird alignment where you're, you know, your kid, you love that little kid, you know, comes and you, oh, come tell me all the bad things that that poor, you know, that loser guy ever did to you. Don't do that. You'll destroy their marriage. Point them back to each other. And if they want help, tell them both of them, come and I will tell you about Jesus. And we'll talk about God and God's plan for you. But make sure that you point them back to God and to each other. Now, when we're having a conversation with our spouse, our current spouse or future spouse, it might sound something like this, where you say, you know, listen, when you talk about your brother and how successful he is and how many trips he gets to take around the world and all that, for some reason, I feel like a failure. I mean, I don't get it. I don't really understand it all. But there is something in me that is extremely intimidated by your brother. And I need to figure this thing out. And here's what I ask. Would you forgive me for how I treat you and how I treat your brother sometimes? And will you help me? Will you help me deal with this stuff that's in me? Or a conversation might sound like this. Listen, I don't know why I've been treating you the way I have these past few weeks. I'm not sure what's inside of me. I don't even know what's generating these beads to come out of me, but I know they're coming out. I commit to you that I will learn where this stuff is coming from. And I will allow God to transform me from the inside out. I ask you for your forgiveness. And I ask you for your help. Will you pray for me? And will you help me? Will you be my partner on this journey for me to become the person that God wants me to become? When your spouse musters up the courage to share their deeper emotions and fears with you, the appropriate response is, thank you for sharing. I love you. And what can I do to help? And then you remember in like, I don't know if it was kindergarten, the teacher said, you know, take the key, lock your lips and open up your ears. Remember that? That's the next thing that you do, you know, because in that moment, we've got all kinds of advice we want to hand out, don't we? You're like, well, if you do this and this and this, you know, things would go better. That's the moment that we need to just be quiet and listen. Do not say anything like, well, that's dumb. You shouldn't feel that way. Or, wow, you are way too sensitive. You just need to get over that. Not helpful stuff. You know, that will ensure that your spouse will not open up to you again in the future. So if you have done that, apologize profusely to your spouse. Say, I'm so sorry that I've ever said anything like that. I'm so sorry that I've hurt you that way. I want to learn to be a good listener. And I want to help you on that journey. Remember, God told us to be kind to each other. Be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as Christ has forgiven you. Your ability to stay in love for a lifetime is closely tied to how you deal with the junk that's in you and how you help your spouse deal with the junk that's in them. Now, 
In a four-week series on marriage, it is like next to impossible to hit all the different aspects of marriage relationships to make them strong. So we have, we're just scratching the surface, you guys, in, in this series. Next week, we're going to dive into the love chapter. So I encourage you to come back. It's going to be a, a great message on uh, diving deeper into what true love looks like between a husband and a wife. Now, for those of you who want to dig deeper into this subject today, I've got some closing recommendations. One is on our website, under our resources tab, I have a recommendation uh, called a book recommendation. There's a list of books that I often recommend to people in different situations in their lives, um, sometimes marriage issues, uh, spiritual growth issues, a lot of different recommendations that I give on a fairly consistent basis. So I just put the, that list of books on our our website under our resources tab. So you can go there, check that out, and find something that will help you and help your spouse work through some of the issues that you might have in your life. Now, the next recommendation is what something that Tim talked about earlier in the announcements. This coming Friday and Saturday, we have a marriage seminar, two-day marriage seminar coming here. It'll be in this building. And this is our first chance to do something like this. So we're real excited about the potential of this and how it can help couples. Um, on Friday night, the doors will open, I think, 6 or 6.30. So come about 6.30 so you can get signed in and have all the material that you'll need. And we'll start at 7 and uh, we'll get the evening started. And then on Saturday, it'll be from 9 to 4 o'clock. And as Tim said, you can sign up in the lobby. There's a table in the lobby before you leave on the left-hand side. I encourage you to do that. I cannot... Uh, encourage you strongly enough to be a part of this. If you know someone who's, who's married or wants to be married and their marriage is in a good place or a bad place, invite them to come and be a part of this uh, incredible uh, marriage seminar. Will you make an investment? Will you make an investment? And I get it. Hey, it's a whole Friday and Saturday. I get it. I know you're busy. But will you make an investment in your marriage? to help you stay in love for a lifetime. Now, here's how we're going to end the service today. I'm going to pray. And uh, when I'm finished, then Brandon's going to come up. And he's going to guide us through just a, a portion of Nothing But the Blood, that last song that we sang in our, our worship set this morning. The reality is nothing but the blood of Jesus can wash away our sins. Nothing but the blood of Jesus can make us whole again. Nothing but the blood of Jesus can repair broken relationships. Nothing but the blood of Jesus can do that and so much more. After Brandon plays that song, Rich Carr, one of our elders, is gonna be up here in the front and then I'm gonna be over here on this side. If you would like someone to pray with you over your current relationship or a future relationship, I invite you to come up at the end of that song and uh, we would love to pray with you. So let's uh, wrap up in prayer together. God, I thank you, Lord, for the incredible opportunity that we have to learn from you. Lord, you are the only one who can guide us in our lives. Lord, we understand that Jesus' blood is the only thing that can wash us clean from the junk that's in us. Jesus, you're the only one that can help us deal with the baggage that we have. And Lord, the reality is each one of us have brought damage into our in-love relationships. But each one of us brings stuff that just hurts our partner. 
And Lord, I pray that you would help us in this process to surface the junk that's there so that you can deal with that junk, Lord, and help us become more like Jesus. So Lord, here we are today. Some of us are currently in in love relationships. Some of us are looking to that in the future. Lord, some of our relationships are in a good place. Some of our relationships are in a bad place. Although we pray that you would wash our relationships over with the blood of Jesus and transform us from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen.